Welcome back to the B-Spot, the place that gives you almost therapy, but not quite therapy. I'm Brian Heller, and I'm your host, and today we are going to talk about truth bomb number two, which is function becomes dysfunction. And before we get into that, I want to take a few minutes and thank those of you who have tuned in and provided some feedback. I appreciate that, and I hope that in the future you'll take it a step farther and maybe even be willing to participate. You can send me an email at bhellercounseling at gmail. And if the, the issue that you email me about is something that I think would be good for the show, I'll respond back and see if you'd like to call in during the show. And we can talk through that issue um, together. If not, I can also provide email responses if you're more comfortable with that. Now, as I was thinking about this second truth bomb, initially I was thinking, what am I going to talk about? How am I going to fill a show with this topic as a standalone. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized I was going to have the opposite problem. There's a lot to talk about here. Over the course of our lives, no matter how many positive things there are, there are going to be struggles. And there are going to be dysfunctional situations and dysfunctional people that we have to interact with. And in those interactions, we have to figure out how to protect ourselves. We have to figure out how to protect our quality of life. And so we develop tapes, um, ideas in our head about who we are, what we are, what our responsibilities are, and how we are supposed to handle different types of people and situations. We might have a tape that says that we're not good enough. We might have a tape that says we're not lovable. We're not smart enough. Um, if something goes wrong, we're the one to blame. If someone's upset, it's our job to fix it. All of these roles or tapes form in our lives and they serve a purpose, right? They're functional. They help us deal with difficult situations. But as we grow up, one of the benefits of growing up, hopefully, is being able to create healthy environments rather than toxic environments and to be around healthy people rather than toxic people and to no longer need those old tapes that tell us how to be when we are in toxic situations or around toxic people. So why is it so hard to change tapes, right? It seems pretty straightforward that if I have an unhealthy idea in my head that's not helping me in my current life and may even be causing me problems, well, I should just stop that. I should change the way that I think about that, right? If, if I grew up in a dysfunctional home where anytime I shared my feelings, I was yelled at, and now I'm in a relationship and my partner's saying, why won't you share your feelings with me, right? In my head, I can know that the reason I don't share my feelings is because when I was four and I shared my feelings, I got yelled at. And I didn't like the way that felt. And so I don't want that to happen again. I can rationally say, well, now I'm in this relationship and I'd like to share my feelings because this is a healthy relationship. But it's really hard. We are biologically programmed to not change. We are all about survival. That is what we are programmed to do. We're programmed to survive. And what we know is that what we did yesterday led to our survival. So when we look at today and we challenge ourselves to make a change, we are working against our drive to survive because there's uncertainty if we make this change. Whereas our brains see it as certainty that what we did yesterday led to our survival. So it's all about survival. Now, these tapes that were once functional 
and have now become dysfunctional, they don't leave room for new things in life. They don't leave room for new ideas. I always get this image of a cheat sheet in high school. Now, those of you who never cheated may not know what I'm talking about, but a cheat sheet is a piece of paper that you write as much as you can in tiny little letters so that you have all the information to look at when you're taking the test. And there isn't much room left on the paper. Well, our old tapes are kind of like that. And we're walking around with this page full of old messages that no longer apply to our lives. So when we try to incorporate new ways of thinking about things, we find that there isn't room on the page. And so part of the process of counseling is to go in and figure out what we can erase off that page to make space for new ideas, new tapes that actually apply to our current situation. And, and that's a real big challenge for all of us to think about our current situation as a standalone event, right? Are we viewing our current situation through the lens of our past or through the lens of the present? So how do we start to erase things off that old cheat sheet that no longer serve us? What does that look like? Um, you know, oftentimes when people recognize that certain relationships or periods of time have been impactful and had long lasting consequence, they don't want to go back and discuss it because the belief is, I can't change it. There's nothing I can do to undo what happened, so what's the point in going back and looking at it? And while I can understand that, the point is that whatever happened, whenever it happened, it happened to you at that point in time with your abilities to process. And most likely, now you are at a point in your life and your brain development that is different. And looking back at those events can help you process them differently, right? It's a process of untangling the emotional ideas, the, uh, the emotional lessons that you learned in those situations from the actual situation. So being able to, with your adult mind, remind the child version of yourself that it wasn't your fault that someone did this or that to you, that it was actually a reflection on them. As a child, that's a really hard thing to understand. But as an adult, we can rationally understand that and begin the process of figuring out, okay, well, what ideas did I form about myself based on this thing? And maybe those ideas were wrong. Maybe I can process it differently and look at it for what it was in reality, rationally, rather than the emotional experience that I had in the moment. So it isn't about erasing the past. That's not something we can do. It's about reprocessing the emotional conclusions that were reached based on past events. And the way that we do that is we write down those conclusions. And then we look for evidence to support or go against those conclusions. For instance, if one of our tapes is, I'm not smart enough, um, yet I have a good paying job and I've gotten a lot of education and I carry myself well in conversation. So and when I write that thought down, I'm not smart enough. And then I say, well, what's the evidence that supports that? Well, gosh, if, if somebody wasn't smart enough, they wouldn't be able to speak intelligently on topics. If somebody weren't smart enough, they wouldn't be able to get a degree. If somebody weren't smart enough, they wouldn't be able to um, get a job that is satisfying both financially and emotionally. 
Um, so we start to look for evidence, and what we discover is when we get really rational and look for evidence, it's not hard to figure out the things that we're telling ourselves that are not true. And so then it becomes a matter of, as silly as it sounds, drawing a line through it on the paper and rewriting it. I am smart enough. There's plenty of evidence that supports my intelligence. And so whatever that negative tape is, the cognitive behavior therapy tells us to go and identify the thought, challenge the thought, look for evidence, and then come to a rational conclusion based on the evidence. And when we do that, we uncover that this particular tape from many years ago is no longer, not only not no longer serving me, but doesn't actually reflect reality. It's, it's not valid anymore. And so one by one, we go through those old tapes and we hold them up in the light and challenge them with the, the real things that are happening, you know, the real things that we can observe in our lives. So another thing that happens with these tapes is we start to become more aware of traumatic situations, right? When we start to think about where ideas came from and how they were formed, it often takes us back to really difficult situations. Um, often situations where we hold resentments um, and have a lot of self-defeating thoughts about the events. And it can be very powerful. And when we start to feel that power, one thing that really, really helps is writing. Um, we are not always able to directly confront the people responsible for our resentments. And it's not always a good idea to directly confront the people who are responsible for our resentments. However, carrying resentments with us really takes a lot of joy out of our existence. You know, there's so many fun little sayings about resentments, right? It's like holding on to a hot coal to throw it at somebody else, you just burn yourself, right? There's, there's so many because it's something that we've been trying to understand and been aware of for so long that holding on to resentments is bad. It hurts us. Um, hate destroys the container it comes in, right? What we think destroys us, not other people, because what we think creates our feelings. So when you are thinking about your old tapes and you start to uncover traumatic situations that you've not given the attention that they need, get out a piece of paper and write about it. If someone has offended against you, unload on them on the paper. Dear mom, dear dad, dear ex, dear whoever has inflicted harm upon you that you've not been able to resolve your emotions around it, write down on paper what you really want to say to that person. And you do it in a way that feels emotionally safe because you are not going to send them this letter. This letter is not for them. It doesn't involve them. It only involves you and your emotions around your memories of them. Writing tends to be a lot more powerful than just thinking about a thing. In order to write about something, we have to think about it. We have to physically write it. Then we have to read and process what we've written. And that allows us to 
I think have a more immersive experience, which is what you want when you're trying to let go of old resentments. And it's not just catchy, it's true to say that in order to let it go, you have to let it flow. So when you are writing these letters that you will never send, you're looking at a four-step process. Okay, you write the letter, you read the letter, you feel the letter, and you destroy the letter. And as you're destroying it, you are saying to yourself that this is me letting this thing go. I'm not saying it was okay. I'm not letting the person off the hook. I'm letting myself off the hook. And the more times you do that, the more freedom you experience. Some people write these letters you know, over and over again because you write it one time and then you're sitting back later and you think of something you wish you'd put in there and you know, another memory comes up and you want to write it again. Each time you do it, you're cleaning out junk from your brain. That doesn't serve you. There isn't any reason to keep that with you because there isn't any way to go back in the past and change it. The only thing it's doing is holding you back from being fully present in your life. And in order to be happy in life, I think presence is necessary. We must be present in order to be happy. So as you are working to identify your old tapes and you are forcing yourself to think some about those old traumas, know that there is work that you can do on your own that will actually make you feel better in your day-to-day -day life. Uh, when you release yourself from the responsibility of carrying grudges and resentments with you, it feels really good. And again, forgiveness is not saying that what was done was okay. Forgiveness is saying, I'm not going to carry this with me any longer. And when you can start doing that with the um, big issues, the big events that have occurred in your life, then you are in a position to start untangling the emotional conclusions that were reached as a result of those events. But, you know, understand that this is not easy stuff to do. To access these emotions is hard, and it's a really good idea to ask for some emotional support from people who are close to you. Um, if you're starting to go down this road to really looking at old traumas and bringing up all those old emotions, um, it's a good idea to have somebody to go through that with. And that can be a friend, that can be a family member, that can be a therapist. Um, but, it, you know, it's not to be taken lightly as something to just um, go do and expect no emotional response from yourself while doing it. Because you are likely to have an emotional response and your response will be proportionate to the intensity of the event that you are examining. So the last thing I want to talk about today is, you know, back to that concept of change and when people start thinking about changing the way they think, it gets a little bit intimidating. And it can be hard to imagine that things can be different. And that makes me think of the topic of neuroplasticity, right? The brain's ability to grow and change. And one way I've always enjoyed thinking about that is to think of the brain like a college campus. And if you've ever been on a college campus, you know that there are paved roads, there are paved sidewalks, there are rock trails, there are dirt paths, there are woods, usually, and they're all different because they've been 
used in different ways. The roads that have become paved were paved because they were the most commonly used and they wanted to create the best experience for people. So these roads um, are more attractive than the paths and they are easier to walk on and they take you more directly to where you want to go and they are the easiest place to go when so if I'm going to go to that building I'm going to take the road. Over time we stop even looking at the other options because this is the one that makes sense. Well with neuroplasticity we're walking up not to the road but we're walking up to the woods and we are looking at the woods and we start making a new path. We start cutting back some branches and maybe we walk in a few feet one day and walk back out the next. And we come the next day and we go and we walk a few more feet and we cut a few more branches back and we make it a little bit easier to walk on. And now the ground's starting to get a little bit easier. And so we keep going day after day. We go and we, we make a little bit of progress every day. And before we know it, we have a path, a new way of thinking. And so now that path is a little bit easier than just walking through the woods. So now we're more likely to choose it. So we start choosing that path, and the more we walk on the path, the more it gets beaten down and easier to walk on. And after a while, we decide, hey, it's worth investing in some stones to make it even easier and less muddy. And so we, we make stones, we make it into a path, and then we decide one day we're using it so much that we pave it. And then it becomes the default option for us, the easiest route for us to go. So when we think about our ability to change the way we think, it's really important to remember that we can literally change the way we think. We can create new pathways even where it's difficult to do so. Even where it feels as though we're walking up to the edge of the forest with a pocket knife and trying to blaze a new trail. It's so tempting to go back to that other road, the one that's nice and easy, the one that we've always walked on, the one that we've walked on so many times that it's been paved and it's beautiful and Maybe it's lined with diamonds. But if we determine through a rational analysis that that road is not taking us where we want to go, then we have to find the courage within ourselves to go walk up to the edge of that forest and start doing things differently. Start challenging our thoughts one by one, challenging our old tapes one by one, and releasing ourselves from the responsibility of carrying unnecessary negative emotions with us. Thanks for joining me this week on the B spot and I hope you'll join me next time where we will talk about human truth bomb number three which is that awareness generates energy and that that energy can either be used for action or it will come out as dysfunction and so use it for action or pay the price. I hope you've gotten something useful out of today's podcast. And until our next session, be well.